From KOSU and Oklahoma State University, this is Songwriters and Tour Writers, a podcast that dives deep into the music coming from Oklahoma artists and musicians that may just be passing through. I'm Matthew Viriapa. And in this episode is North Carolina-based musician Matt Heckler. Shambles through the field so fair and ever gentle on my mind. She is graceful, she is patient, she is kind, but her troubles are never far behind. The last year has been difficult for everyone, but the pandemic was kind of an unexpected blessing for Matt. With that extra time, he spent the last year self-recording his latest album, Blood, Water, Coal, which debuted at number three on the Bluegrass Billboard chart. But what he plays isn't exactly what you would call bluegrass. The way I play it, if you ask anyone around here if I'm playing, Appalachian old time, they'll say no. <laughs> you know, it's like, I have a very weird style. You might also recognize him from YouTube channel, Gems on VHS, where he and other folk artists have racked up millions of views. He talks to me about finally slowing down, the difficult process of self-recording his album, and his influences, which range from Ireland to Romania. And the nightmare's just begun Left for dead, left behind Left without a goddamn time And no hope for My name is Matt Heckler. I uh, live in western North Carolina. I play early Appalachian mountain music and also mountain music from kind of all sorts of mountainous regions around the world. Play fiddle banjo guitar, write most of my tunes. It kind of definitely leans more towards the darker side of folk. So you're you're in North Carolina right now? Yeah. Yeah, uh, how far up in the mountains are you? I live like 30, a little over 30 minutes into Asheville. I live like pretty close to the Cherokee National Forest. Um which is, it's like Cherokee comes down and right next to it, running parallel is the Smokies. So it's it's pretty incredible out here. You get the best of both both mountain ranges. Yeah, it sounds pretty like if you're looking for inspiration from your surroundings, it sounds like a pretty inspiring place to live. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, we can walk out our front door and uh, it's it's pretty beautiful. Mountains all over and big rolling fields, farmland and mountains kind of framing it out is that kind of why you you felt yourself drawn to the quote-unquote mountain music you know uh just uh being where you are was that something that you always kind of like was drawn to um kind of i grew up in upstate new york in the catskills and uh i didn't i didn't really play much like american music for most of my uh, most of my, like the first 10 years of playing, I played a lot of like Eastern European gypsy and Romani music, um, which is in its own right, like a lot of it's mountain music too. And then when I started playing solo, kind of took more to playing the Appalachian style. It was always there and I picked on, I picked some of it and kind of wrote some songs in the style. But once I started playing by myself and without a band, I took to playing Appalachian music a lot more for sure. But it's, you know, the way I play it. If you ask anyone around here if I'm playing, 
Appalachian old time, they'll say no. <laughs> you know, it's like, I have a very weird style. It's kind of like Irishy, Eastern European. It, it's, it's odd, for sure. Lay down all your troubles with a balsam fir and pine. The paddy's grove of hemlock brings solace to your mind. For they burn the mountains and ran dry all the streams. There was plenty to get by on. Yeah, it, like I feel like anybody who would try and play your stuff in the old time, they'd have like a heart attack. I remember watching like uh, your set when you were opening for uh, Lost Dog and it was just like watching your bow hairs like slowly like uh, stray <laughs> off during the entire thing. And it's come on, Kitty dear. It's midnight on the water, and I swear that you can hear how the coy dogs howl. They're strapped with colts in Margaretville, that's the way down south. Was that in Tulsa? I think that was in that was in Oklahoma City. Okay. You were pretty much like the only kind of solo act. <laughs> like uh, the Tellers came on and it was like a full band, and then uh, you kind of just traipsed out with like just a fiddle in hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think people often think I'm just the janitor coming to clean up the stage or something. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like playing solo. It's I was in bands for years and uh, learned a lot and had the privilege of playing with some of the best musicians I've ever heard. But you know, when you're in a band, you got to deal with other musicians, which is is never easy. So it's it's been really nice, like getting attention and growing a career just me, because it's not you know if I drop a band and it's just me, people aren't disappointed. Mm. So. I, I read that you were kind of like on the cusp of working in like the lumber industry in Arbor. Yeah, I was uh, living in Charlotte, North Carolina and working for this tree company. Um, I was just working on the ground. I didn't climb or anything, you know, it's like I was slowly training towards that. But at the same time, I was Ben and Ashley kept asking me to come out and do these tours with them. And I would be like, uh, I'll do this tour, but I'm going to take the money and put it towards equipment for tree work because it's pretty pricey stuff. And then every time I'd go and do the tour, it would go better and better. And I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not doing, not not trying to do music anymore. And I'd come back and do tree work and was really liking it. And uh, it just kind of kept going to a point where it was like, I needed to decide if I was going to do, keep doing tree work or music and actually one of the last days when i was still living there actually the last day i worked doing tree work with that company and they're super careful they're the, these two brothers and they're they're great to work for it's can be kind of a macho industry and these 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 guys are great and they're so careful and like towards the end of the day last day before i'm about to go on tour again a branch broke that was on a line and kind of just slid down the line straight at me. And I, I ducked. I, I mean, I didn't even think. It's just, I just hit the ground. And <laughs> this big poplar leader just went straight over me and like brushed my hat. And it, it was a big leader, big branch. If it would have hit me, it would have been, uh, I'd probably still be working through that. So that was kind of, we finished out that work day and it was, 
it was like i think the universe just <laughs> just just answered that question for me if i'm gonna do tree work or play music so wow that's that's so crazy wow were you always kind of like juggling like um different different types of work while while doing music i've read that you you kind of were all over the country yeah yeah i um i would take on work here and there and i never you know i never got too far into anything did a lot of like landscaping and shoveling and this such but i was primarily just a busker for a good 15 years it's like would take gigs where i could get them bars and any kind of shady little establishment but mostly street music is what i did and it was definitely uh um, a modest source of income is one way to put it, but it, it did facilitate me being able to travel. I mean, I've, I think a couple of years ago, I started counting how many times I've gone from coast to coast and I stopped counting at 30 and was just like, okay, it's a, it's a lot <laughs> like, you know, which has its benefits and its downfalls, but busking really kind of opened that up for me. I love, I love traveling and being more transient and, being able to go anywhere and, you know, make what you need to get by. Has it been weird then kind of, you know, with the pandemic and shutdown, I don't know how locked in you've been in North Carolina. Um, just not being on tour, has that been a much different change of pace for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been a blessing actually as, as difficult as the times have been. It's like I said, I kind of hit the ground running. Ben and Ashley kept, asking me out to do tours with them and then it was like flogging molly pulled me out on a tour for a month and then devil makes three and it was like a two and a half year period where i didn't stop like i barely i would get back to wherever i was living and be there for a week two weeks before i had to set back out and it kind of reached the point I remember the the last show we did before it got called for the pandemic. I was sitting there, sitting there like, I'm done. I can't do this. And it was the second date of a month long tour. So we were two shows in and I was like, I'm done. I can't maintain like I'm, I've been exhausted for a year. I'm like probably pretty hard to be around too. Cause I'm just tired and grumpy. And so it, it's been a blessing. The pandemic hit and I've been doing online lessons, which is, great for me it's always good to slow down and play through things slow this is the longest i've lived somewhere in my adult life i've been in the same house for just over a year now and it's it's interesting it's <laughs> it's definitely a change of pace yeah no but like it it seems like a great place to settle down just you know t you talking about that view sounds like lovely yeah yeah it's great and and where i am too it's like 40 minutes in each direction, in any direction, you can kind of hit something very different and beautiful. It's, it's, it's pretty spectacular where I'm living. There's a lot of history here for music too. So it just feels good. It doesn't, doesn't feel like I've taken a break. It just feels like I'm kind of recharging to get back out there. Yeah. And it seems like it's, it was a good time for you to record this, this second album of yours. Yeah. Yeah, it was <laughs> that this album was a, a trip. I started recording it like at this point, it was probably a month and or I'm sorry, a year and three months ago. And I had never I had never recorded myself before professionally. 
air quotes there, the pandemic hit and I was like, I want to do this album. I want to do it myself and I want to take my time and work through every single thing exactly how I want it while maintaining the kind of like roughness that my music just naturally has. And I did it. It's done. It's done now. But the process of getting here, like the basis that I work with wanted, wanted me to try and work with a click track for recording. And I got almost everything done instrument wise and then listened a lot closer and realized the click track was bleeding through my headphones and getting picked up by the microphone. So I had to redo it. And then I spilled a seltzer on my computer <laughs> and was without my computer for a while. Luckily, I still had all the files. Oh and just stuff like that kept going wrong. And it just took so long. And by the time I released it, like I still can't really listen to the album. It, <laughs> it definitely holds a lot of stressful memories. I'm grateful for it. And I'm starting to be able to hear it as music and not a pain in the butt project. But Oh, yeah. So I definitely needed a year to record it. <laughs> and now it's done and I'm, I'm grateful and I learned a lot. And I'm going to record my next album starting pretty soon and take my time. But I've learned a lot. So I think it'll go a little bit smoother. Now that, that's so interesting. I wasn't sure like how much of this um, was kind of a conscious decision or just like circumstances dictated that, you know, you were going to self-record this and and do most of the instrumentation too yeah yeah it was it's it's interesting you step into a studio and you're just watching the clock tick and you're paying for it and it's like you're kind of rushing through things and after the flood like there's a lot of stuff i wish i could have gotten a better take for so this was really nice going through and being like that weird noise i made i'm keeping that <laughs> you know stuff that would kind of get scrapped in a studio it uh it was it was a a lot of fun. It was a work and a half for sure, though. I think I had heard you talk on some live stream with uh, Anthony from uh, Gems on VHS, and you were talking about possibly working with like with like some of the other people you toured with, like a uh, Lost Dog Street band, like uh, Ashley Ashley May. Yeah, who also plays the fiddle because. Uh, your words were like, sometimes my style doesn't fit my style, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, there's definitely certain things that my fiddle playing doesn't match. Like, if I, it's pretty tricky a lot of times for me to match what I'm doing on banjo to fiddle. And it's like, Ashley just has a better ear for picking out exact melodies and making them work. I kind of just, I play the fiddle like a bull in a china shop. I just like go in and it's like a mess. And it's like, if there's anything exact, I'm, I'm definitely not nailing it most 90% of the time. So I was hoping to get Ben and Ashley to put down some tracks, but just kind of with the pandemic and they got busy with their, with their projects and stuff. It didn't really come to fruition, but someday I'd love to have both of them do something because every time we do get together and play which isn't very often it's it's pretty pretty uh instantaneous just like it just comes together really well 
Was that a hump that you uh, still had to get over of just like, um, sometimes when I play this instrument, it doesn't match how I play this other instrument? Yeah, that was tricky with recording. Um, I kind of had to be selective about the songs I chose for the album to make that work. I, I think for the next album I'm going to do, I'm going to focus a little bit more on doing songs with just one instrument. Just uh, keep it more like a live show because it, it was difficult, like doing St. Tomas, for instance. I wrote that song on fiddle very different and then started playing on guitar and had to relearn a different fiddle part that is very outside of my style. And it was pretty challenging. Like I, I did a lot of takes of that before I got that. And since it was me recording myself, I had time to go through and be like, I like that, that 30 seconds and then this 30 seconds. Especially for that song, I was able to cut and kind of stick things together. Most of that was just kind of solid takes all the way through on the album, but that song I had to kind of cut, copy, paste, <laughs> which is <laughs> letting that cat out of the bag now. But yeah, it was it's it's tricky matching the weird style that I do, for sure. That's probably another reason I don't have a band is. People are like, what in the hell are you, <laughs> what, what would we even do? <laughs> you, you've talked about like kind of your influences, like uh, the Romani music, um, kind of early Appalachian, early folk stuff. Um, are there any kind of sensibilities that you you try and maintain? Yeah, for sure. I think what has drawn me um, to listen to all those musical styles and pull influence from them is kind of the simplicity and the honesty of like old Irish music and you know a lot of Romani music is actually a little bit more complicated but also simple in, in a lot of ways too um and then early Appalachian music same thing like very honest very to the point and simple and I, th I feel like I try and carry that over like there are some incredible lyricists out there that write stories that go full circle that are just pretty incredible and it's i feel like my stories are kind of like <laughs> it's like you know a little more straightforward and i try and keep it simple because if i try and get too too deep with things it just gets lost so i think if there's some sensibilities that i try and maintain from the styles that influence me it's it's simplicity what song has like your favorite story on them like a specific song yeah mm, that is a good one so I listen to a lot of old Irish, uh, it's called Shano singing. It's just acapella, really heavily embellished, uh, 
singing and it's it's usually pertaining to some kind of old story and from that i mean there's so many there's so many classics a lot that have probably been beaten into the ground in ireland but over here it's like the rocks of bond a pretty fantastic story i think over there it's kind of like the shano's wagon wheel to be don't hire with only master tell you know what your work will be even like getting into more uh, contemporary stuff like some of the earlier Pogues stuff that Shane, some of Shane McGowan's writing was absolutely incredible um and just he, I was never big into the like drinking side of the Pogues. I was always blown away by his lyrical ability in a lot of songs. I'm trying to think which one really stands out. Waltz, his his rendition of Waltzing Matilda is very moving, very long. When I was a young man, I carried my pack and I lived the free life of a rover. And I think that's a pretty good example. Very well, simple. Time and place, I thought carried the story really well. I waltzed my Matilda all over. Then in 1915, my country said, "Son, it's time to stop rambling." Yeah. What song of yours do you think like you really executed like all those elements of just like a simple story that? just takes you back but isn't like overcomplicated. Yeah, I think what is this song called? Jackalope Waltz. Was the one that just kind of uh, enveloped a story really well and I wish I could kind of write like that more. <laughs> I don't, writing isn't necessarily like a decision to do something a certain way for me. It just kind of comes out and hopefully it works. So that one came together really nicely. I wrote that song probably 10 years ago and then wrote the lyrics flying back from Hawaii on an airplane, <laughs> listening to the instrumentation and headphones. And it kind of came to me. My oar breaks the water, we glide through the darkness. She fills the night with her song. My heart won't let go as we slide on the shore. She whispers, I won't be long. I'll be here in the springtime when the frost still lines the air. Be gentle with yourself, dear, cause you're on your own from here. Is that kind of how you, you typically write? Just like instrumentation and lyrics kind of separately and then you try and weave them together? No, I have no method. <laughs> it, it, it comes in every different way. So I think the only thing that's consistent is I write when moving, whether I'm hiking or just going on a walk or I'm driving alone um, or I'm cycling. It's like that's when 
I'm getting out some extra energy and my mind can kind of think a little bit more straightforward and clear and that's when I'm able to actually formulate things. So whether it's a melody or a snippet of lyrics or you know the whole idea for a song. Besides that, there's no method. It's I, I have written in all kinds of ways. I think it was Tom Waits, or maybe it was Tom Van Zandt. I can't remember saying that they just keep piles of ripped up <laughs> snippets of lyrics, and it's like it's kind of the same thing for me. I have just half-full journals and notebooks, just full of like one line here, one line there, and sometimes I'm trying to get a song out and just pulling it from wherever I can get it. So were there any kind of specific influences for some of these different songs, like something that you you read or or watched that you're like, oh, okay, I I want to take that story or I want to take this sound and just like make it my own? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think most songs I write have influence coming from somewhere uh, pretty specific. And it actually is... I was going through and was thinking about it recently, what songs probably sparked from what songs, you know, and uh, there's a lot of tunes like Jackalope Waltz definitely spurred from Blackest Crow. As time draws near, my dearest dear, when you and I must part, but little It's an, it's an old time tune, probably like an old Scottish song actually, and it was played on the transcontinental, what is it called? Uh, like the, the railroad? No, uh, it's like a BBC series where they take musicians from the UK and Ireland and like Nashville and America and Canada and get them to all play together. A lot of tunes have influence in direct songs, I think. Bloodwater Coal had direct influence from what is that song called? Hard Time Kiln Floor Blues. Hard times in every where you go. The times are harder than ever been before. Skip Skip James, I believe. And not that I was ever listened to that song a lot, but I just heard it and it planted something. And eventually it morphed into, you know, my own weird versions of trying to pick through it, which is the folk process, I suppose. It all on the 
What about Saint Thomas or Tomas? Like, um, is that a reference to anything? Yeah, that I wrote that tune hiking. Actually, I was hiking up Overlook Mountain in the Catskills and came up with those words. And it's been kind of through a, a, a it's been rewritten a lot. That's that was kind of like the final version I came to. But I wrote that song for. A friend, Deep Chatham, used to play shows here and there, and oftentimes busk, splitting spots with his band Profane Sass. And the singer, Tomas, was a... I'd just never seen anyone perform like that, like, could kind of take a street corner and start busking and make it a kind of magical, sacred place that was just... The performance, you just forget you're on the street, you know, really taken by how he how he played so he passed some years ago and uh, a lot of the people that I've been in bands with and have played with were just like kind of blown away, had a hard time with it. And I wrote that song for him. Since then, I mean, that was years, years ago. But since then, that song has just kind of become relevant to a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people that have passed in my life, you know. You may be gone, my friend, but someday we'll meet again. Pass the realm of human life Through the darkness Into the light Staring down what could have been Never daunted by the wind Never set back by the rain But just the same You may be gone, my friend But someday We'll meet again You're the one who always kept the wolves at bay You're a saint for what you've done here Coming up next, Matt Heckler talks about picking songs for Bloodwater Coal and his first album. He also tells a story about going to work on a Hawaiian farm, pink cigarettes, and getting sober. That and more right after this break. KOSU has a podcast to bring you news on what's happening in the state of Oklahoma. The KOSU Daily includes local headlines. State Impact reporters will bring us the latest on education, health care, and criminal justice. And we have news focusing on agriculture and rural issues, as well as indigenous affairs. You can subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The KOSU Daily, Oklahoma News, every weekday. How did you go about deciding what went on the second album? And was it a lot of kind of like uh, stuff that didn't necessarily fit on that first album? Yeah, kind of deciding the songs on this album was an interesting process. Almost none of these songs 
off blood water coal except my caroline and forgive me mother those are the only two newer songs on the album everything else is kind of was written a while ago and it's just kind of been on the back burner and needed some tweaking needed to be adjusted um and i tried to cut some of them for after the flood and it just wasn't they weren't ready you know so that was that was another interesting thing about recording this album is it was all songs that i'd been playing for a really long time and i kind of sat down in front of the microphone and was like all right these songs are finally they're finally getting done they're going to be finalized you know this is this is the version people are going to hear so like the new album i'm going to start recording is all new songs very similar styles but I'm kind of excited for that. I think that was another thing that was a little tricky about recording Blood, Water, Coal is I'd been, I'd played a lot of those songs into the ground already, either busking or playing shows or, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those tunes weren't as personal feeling to me as they were some years ago. So it, it, you know, it didn't feel like the most inspirational boom and I love doing, I love getting them out of there, but, I think this new album will be a lot of fun to kind of wrangle new material in while recording. Yeah, it, I can understand how maybe they they just weren't as relevant as they used to be. Yeah. So I guess now with like working on new songs, are you approaching like the songwriting any different to how you uh, maybe wrote some of those other songs with like you know busking on the street, kind of like the the place you were gonna end up playing them. Like now that you kind of are playing a lot more shows uh, in a different setting, is that kind of affecting like how you're going about writing these songs? Absolutely. I mean, I definitely used to hone tunes I was writing in on the street. Like I would kind of take them out, try them out while busking. I used to play a lot. I, I would busk for like five, six, seven hours a day. And would just kind of get it all out there and play it again and try it in every different way. And, you know, it's and it's definitely different just sitting at home now um, and trying to piece through the songs. It's a different different beast for sure. So it, it, it is weird. I feel like I'm adjusting how I'm writing a lot. It's more like I got a house. I'm in front of a desk. <laughs> you know, I got way too many notebooks with way too many scraps of lyrics here and there. And it, it's 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 not the easiest thing to adjust too you know but uh it's coming along slowly it's a lot slower i think the songwriting process for me these days is a lot slower um i also don't drink anymore so it's like back in the day alcohol is just a lubricant for anything in your brain to come out <laughs> whether it's anger or love or music you know so these days it's definitely like a little more uh it's it's just slower slower going but i feel like it, it gives me a clear view on getting exactly what i'm trying to get out for sure yeah and there's always like that saying where it's like cheap fast and good you can only pick two uh-huh. and i feel like that even applies for songwriting yeah yeah could i ch- so from that can i choose fast twice <laughs> <laughs> just write just write super fast songs but they aren't any good <laughs> yeah yeah why not it's <laughs> i put out two albums i was happy with that's enough right <laughs> I, can, I can put out a couple bad ones yeah um it's interesting for me to see like how like a lot of the people that are on gems on vhs for example or uh western af 
who are doing like these kind of like throwback old timey styles, but now um, a lot of them were doing it as like buskers. And it's interesting to like see that because it's not a style that I would think would be, you know, uh, rewarded very well just on the street. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it'll hone your craft busking. It, it, it'll, it'll really force you to get good to make money, which is really how I formed my live show. Uh, it was like, you know, the flashier and louder I got, the more money I made busking. So it's just, that's kind of translated right into my live show. But you know, a lot of other folks and that have come up in the music industry kind of like formed a band around playing a live show and like work in the industry and the business when really it's a lot of buskers that have made it have kind of made it through all the hoops, you know, and it's like they they probably are packing something good for a live show at that point. Cause a lot of these folks that were buskers have kind of just, they have a distilled sound and a distilled style of playing through busking. Has it been uh, interesting at all to like find your audience through the internet? I feel like a lot of people that know you now, um, their first interaction or like the first thing they've might have heard of you is from like a gems on VHS video. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't feel real. <laughs> I think is one one thing that's really interesting about it. It's when you when you all of a sudden have a video and an album that's doing really well and you get out there and it just doesn't i i don't know i spent so so long playing bars and like events and all kinds of things that were kind of demeaning as a musician and getting paid to stop playing you know like that kind of situation so coming out on this side it's like sometimes i don't believe that it's real like i I uh, will step out on a stage and it's like, oh, here's 2,000 people, you know, which is, you know, was like the Flog and Molly crowd or the Devil Makes Three crowd. But it's like, oh, and here's 30 to 50 people right in front of me that I can see that are there to see me. And it's like, it's crazy. <laughs> you really, it that that'll definitely raise the hairs on your neck. It's like, you got to you got to carry through at that point, but it's, yeah, it often doesn't, it doesn't feel very real. Mm. You look at numbers and it's like, whatever, this video has got this many watches and the Instagram has this many people, but then you get into a room and the room is full of people that know who you are. And it's, it's, I don't know if I'll ever get used to it. It might take as long as it, <laughs> as long as I was busking, it might take like 15 years to believe that it's actually happening. The rolling hills of the Piedmont call out your name At your pasture in the sweetest refrain And I pulled in a white cross And got to ask you around town In hopes that I could see you again You had gone up to the mountain higher ground to I want to ask, were there any songs or stories that you wanted to make sure that you kind of got out there that you don't um, normally get to tell? Hmm. Let me think. I'm trying to run through the 
album list in my head right now. I think there's there is one funny story, um, and I knew this was gonna happen. I wrote "Roses and Whiskey." I'm sure some people are gonna be mad about this. I wrote "Roses and Whiskey" years ago. It was just kind of like, oh, here's this catchy banjo thing, and I just kind of like wrote some lyrics. Now at your door he begs, please don't let him in. He's broke so many hearts, including his own. Roses and whiskey and tears on your cheeks. He's broke so many hearts, including his own. I never liked that song. And I, I never, I never liked that song. And I, it fits so well on the album, but I, the whole time I was recording, I was like, people are going to love this song. I'm gonna have to play this song every night. <laughs> like, and as soon as I put it out, everyone's like, "Bam, Rose and Whiskey, my favorite song." And if he's not the man that you thought he was, he'll leave in the morning. Let you be, and it's roses and whiskey, tears on your cheeks. He'll leave in the morning and let you be. That song didn't really have a source of inspiration. It was literally just scraps of lyrics over an easy banjo line, and it kind of came together like you had put together some fridge poetry. <laughs> like the story, the story is non-linear. It doesn't really like go anywhere. It's just, yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> but but at the same time, that's my interpretation of it, and that's one of the beauties of writing songs. But Matt, there's you can write a song with intention and a specific story. As soon as you put it out there, people are going to start interpreting it in their own way, and they're going to make it their own thing. Now at my grave you stand with trembling, shaking hands. Just be strong, my friend, and go your way. people like it then that's great but i still don't <laughs> like that song and when shows get kicking again i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to learn to like it because people are gonna be mad if i don't if i don't play that one but i thought that'd be kind of funny to put out there it's <laughs> it's probably gotten the most response on the album and i was like i knew it i knew this was gonna happen <laughs> I, I i'm gonna admit yeah that that is one of my favorite songs on the album <laughs> <laughs> that's, i knew it this is <laughs> I'm going to regret No, I won't regret it because if people like it, then that's the whole point. But it's going to be funny playing that song every night. Maybe, maybe it'll grow on me. I guess one last song that I wanted to like get um, some insight into was uh, the last track on this new album, which was uh, Forgive Me Mother. That song is probably one of the more meaningful songs I've, I've written. And I was apprehensive 
to even put it out because like i was saying as soon as you put a song out it's it's no longer yours i think i've heard ashley say that a bunch like as soon as they hit the button and an album is out to the public it's theirs that's their music now and i really uh that song has a lot of emotions and feelings and memory in it so i i almost was apprehensive to even play it out nonetheless record it but it ended up on the album it was uh definitely an emotional song to write it has a funny story i was a living in Kauai and hadn't quit drinking yet but was about to stop probably like a week later and uh was working on at, at this farm the halepuna farm and there was all these kids that would come over from Niihau. Niihau is like the island that's just for Hawaiians. Um, you can't visit there. And they would come over to Kauai and to get like schooling, doctors. Some of them lived there part time. And they would come and work on the Halepuna farm. And uh, like we would each get a group of kids and be like, do this, do this. Kind of like get this stuff together. And they call me Farmer Matt. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> like I was just a landscaper put on a farm. And uh, and one day they were coming to get dropped off and we were about to put them to work. And I was there by myself kind of picking guitar. And I wrote that song in one sitting. I literally sat down and in 20 minutes was just like bawling. I was crying, writing the lyrics, writing the chords to it. And like got literally finished the last word and like looked over my shoulder and like the, all the knee how kids are bounding towards me and they're like farmer Matt, farmer Matt. And i'm like go shovel something kid i don't know what to tell you right now I'm like i got i got some stuff to work through <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that song it means a lot to me because it was the tail end of me being a pretty heavy alcoholic and just everything that comes with that territory so that was like the end of, the, of that chapter, and that song just happened to come out at that point. Saw you there in the bottle of an old empty bottle, taken and taken, held back the truth and let the heart take in. Forgive me, mother, for I have sinned. Cold old house. Why, why were you in Hawaii, or like, why did you decide to take this landscaping job? I, I ask myself that all the time still. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had, I had a friend that was out there, and she was running this farm, and her, her and her father were running. Uh, a lodge there that was like kind of a restaurant up on top of the mountain there and it, it was just like I was in a bad way and needed to get out of my element like I needed to step away from my life and kind of figure out what what I was doing who I was so I went to Hawaii with my buddy Julian from Deep Chatham and he always talked about us going to Hawaii and then one day I called him and was like we're doing it I'm doing bad we're going there. It's weird. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. And it was it was quite the trip. I mean, so much happened in, in the like couple months I was there. So I didn't expect to quit drinking. I didn't expect a lot of things that came from that trip. I'm alright. I've moved on. I'm not stuck here in a song. 
that I wrote about you, about you. Now I spend my time on the straight and narrow, but I'm very someday I'll probably go back. Maybe not in such a desperate mindset and be able to enjoy it a little bit more, for sure. I mean, we were we were living pretty rough there. Julian and I we were we were, we were drinking pretty good and chain smoking, and we would like run out of rolling papers for smoking, and we had post-it notes, and we, oh <laughs> we would bust up cigarette butts and sit there and smoke these pink cigarettes just in a sorry state that we had put ourselves in it was it was it was pretty funny times and then we'd go and swim in the ocean we lived like a block two blocks from the ocean it was mm. it was incredible yeah just beach bumming it yeah yeah swimming mm. with the hammerheads because we also where we swam was like the hammerhead breeding grounds it was it was interesting I still have all <laughs> my digits and limbs from that experience now that's interesting to to kind of find your breaking point in a place that sounds like so like a hawaiian farm <laughs> yeah yeah for anyone else it's a joyous thing but i'm a very fair-skinned ginger <laughs> and the beach and the sun is not necessarily my comfort zone <laughs> it's a good place to write sad songs for me <laughs> have you ever played that song for your mom i wasn't sure if she is still with us i guess um, she is, and that's an interesting one, and I actually don't even know if I ever told her. I wrote that song as like, forgive me, mother, mother being, you know, the kind of, uh, how do I say this without, without sounding like a total hippie? <laughs> <laughs> mother being kind of like, you know, Mother Earth, everything spiritual, everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just kind of like the vibration of the world, you know, we all are a concentration of vibration, and just kind of like singing to the fiber of the world what makes it up decision making you know what you do in life so i was more just kind of singing to the universe and i sent it to my mom not thinking about it and she uh i think she got pretty emotional about it, it was like i forgive you and i was like oh i i don't know how to deal with this one <laughs> like wrong wrong ma <laughs> so i don't think i've ever told her that <laughs> just kind of let that one sit <laughs> my poor ma yeah just like how do you explain that it wasn't ex i wasn't talking about you i was talking about the metaphysical mother of the universe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's like i think i just let that one lie maybe she'll probably listen to this and she'll find out the hard way sorry ma <laughs> <laughs> no but uh now i'm gonna listen to that song and instead of thinking about like north carolina mountains and kind of like mists and stuff i'll think about the hawaiian sunset and yeah <laughs> beaches and stuff fresh mango and and fish and <laughs> that that is an interesting place to like just kind of find yourself at like a, a crossroads and have it be tied up all together in a song yeah it was it was kind of incredible going there and going through all that in that space because also at the time i mean i was drinking real heavy and not take care of myself I like, this is also kind of funny with how I started touring with Ben and Ashley, but I was drinking, not eating well, and weighed like 201 pounds when I weighed myself in, in Kauai and was like, didn't, didn't think anything of it. And then I quit drinking and lost, I weighed like 259, I think it was, like 
not that long afterwards once I quit drinking. But didn't think about it. I wasn't like, oh, I just lost 40 pounds. So Ben and Ashley asked me on the first tour, and I'm still wearing the same clothes <laughs> I was wearing in Hawaii that I could fit like three of me inside. And I'm like hitchhiking to the first tour, and, and you know, it's like raining, and I'm wearing these like clown hobo outfit. <laughs> and then at some point, I was like, oh, I, I like don't. I don't fit in these clothes anymore. They're like falling off me. I'm about to be performing in front of people. <laughs> I look like a like a hobo clown. <laughs> it was pretty funny. And it was just like quitting drinking. And then I did like one week of keto. <laughs> it might have been like a week and a half. And it was just all of a sudden I was like, oh, man, my pants are falling off. <laughs> like this is, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Get on that heckler diet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, quit the boozing, go to the beach, <laughs> <laughs> write some sad things. <laughs> no, uh, it seems like such a wide range of time to like record and perform these songs. Is it weird to like maybe perform a song that was written while you were still drinking alcohol and stuff? Yeah, definitely. There, uh, I think after the flood is probably half and half. I wrote about half those songs not drinking and the other half were just like older tunes that I wrote uh rather inundated <laughs> by alcohol um but honestly it's not really weird I think there's a definitely a, a beauty in it when you write a song and you play it it's just got this this gripping emotion that you wrote it with and you only get that so many times playing it play it like a couple dozen times and you're just muscle memory playing the song you know not really feeling it as much and at least that's that was the case when i was drinking and now not drinking getting on stage and playing some of those tunes that feeling comes back it's like almost like a memory hits you and it's like this is what i was feeling when i wrote that song sometimes it's kind of hard to <laughs> be feeling on stage but it's like here's that that pure raw emotion that i felt that inspired this song um and that, that happens a lot on stage now. It's just kind of like close my eyes and all of a sudden there it is. There there was when I was writing the song. There's the feelings. There's there's the ideas and what mm. I was going through, you know. And I definitely didn't have that drinking, so. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, I, I hope you don't get too many of like the, the stress emotions from like this last album <laughs> recording and just like when you're playing it, you're just like, thinking about how many takes it took to record that one song. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that plays out. It's going to be interesting. I think I think it'll it'll go smooth enough. I'll probably I'll probably talk a lot of smack about myself and my recording on stage to kind of lighten it up <laughs> for sure uh, cuz that's, you know, a lot of my music is pretty dark. So it's good to like have some self-deprecating light humor <laughs> in between songs, but I think that'll that'll definitely lighten the the memory of how difficult it was and challenging it was to record these tunes. Are you eager to like kind of get back out there still though? I mean, you kind of took this like down period to really focus in on like the recording process, but are you looking forward to trying to get out there while also like trying to record a new album? Yes, I am. Um, we have some lost dog has some, tentative tour plans that are still very up in the air of course with what's happening i'm in no rush i could definitely use another 
like quarter of a year, half a year to kind of get my ducks in order mentally and, you know, just how I go about doing everything in this world and how I affect people. Like this downtime has been kind of incredible because, you know, I got sobered, started touring and didn't stop touring. And it was just like, never really got to get comfortable with it. So I could, I could, I could go either way. I could hit the road tomorrow and start touring and feel good. Or I could spend another big chunk of time kind of learning how to function in this world <laughs> as a normal person, you know, and be home. It's like, you know, having a home and being there for any length of time is pretty incredible too. I'm definitely cozy to that right now. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting hearing like the different musicians that, you know, would just tour back to back, like talking yeah. about like kind of the normal stuff that everyone else gets to enjoy, like just staying at home, sleeping in the same bed for like more than a week. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty incredible feeling, and also for me, it's just like catching up on rest. It's you know, it's like I don't sleep great on tour because no matter if I'm up to two or three in the morning, I get up at like six, seven. I just can't sleep in the morning, so it's been nice resting. It'll definitely it'll make live my live show better, in my opinion. Like I'll just be able to think clear and. I'll have a fresh approach to it. No more for now. I am beaten down. I have seen the bottom. I don't like the crowd. It's back to back. That was Matt Heckler. His latest album is Bloodwater Coal, and his website is mattheckler.com. Go to ksu.org to find links to all of that, plus a full list of the songs that were played in this episode. Songwriters and Tour Writers is a production of KSU and the service of Oklahoma State University. Our editor is Ryan McCroy, and our cover art was created by Terry Ferris. You can find Songwriters and Tour Writers wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Matthew Viriapa. Shattered heavens fall down like snow my caroline where did you go